0: And I ask you a question, it may just be a rhetorical one, though. I'm going to ask you several other questions that are not going to be rhetorical. But, but we do have to sometimes ask, why do we go to church? Why? You know, we don't come because of habit. Uh, although that's a great habit. <laughs> More should have it, just saying. But we don't come because of uh, social significance. That might have been a case at one time when when it really meant something. You went to church, you met the right kind of people, and it was showing something about that. That may have been a case earlier on. That's certainly not the case anymore. We're not coming, and we shouldn't come just to meet friends, although it is great to have friends at church. And I wish most of you have more than you have even uh, when it comes to that. We're not here. Uh, because of the entertainment. The Lord knows that that there is so much entertainment in the world that that no church can ever live up to uh, the kind of things that are going on other places. We here, friends, because we need to worship the only true God, the creator of heaven and earth. Yes, and by being here, we are telling him That he is the most important thing in our lives. That we will easily and happily and eagerly take time to go be with his people to worship him. That matters. He is more important than all the many other things we might find time to spend uh, spend time on. And beyond that, beyond coming here to give him glory and to, to honor that he is the most important thing in our life we also here to learn about life. What can the creator of all things talk to us about life and teach us? You know, if we learned anything uh, over the last decades, um, we just prayed about a lot of that. The horrific kind of things that are going on around the world, even now, the the incredible evil we see even in our own midst around, just unspeakable, uh, some of that, that we have never been more distant from each other. We have never seen more, more kind of separation uh, between people that we seem to see right now. If all of this tells us anything, it tells us that well, we have not quite Figure this whole thing about life out, have we? We just have not. And you know, we need to find a way to a thoroughgoing renewal, to a penetrating kind of reinvigoration, even a revitalization of the way we think and the way we look at the world at reality, and at each other, and even at ourselves. The last century or so's love affair with psychology and its ability to kinda uh, help us put previous experiences in perspective so that a healing process might begin reveals to us with all clarity our deep desire to find a point of renewal in our lives. We know we need it. The so-called modern time, this era of modernity, if you will, about 300 years began in the mid to late 1600s and ended the mid to late 1900s. and all this kind of infatuation and, and conviction that, that if we have the right kind of formulas, the right kind of mathematical formulas, the right kind of chemical formulas, the right kind of political form, formulas, the right kind of philosophical formulas, if that was the case then we could eradicate all the evil in the world. We'll do away with all poverty. We'll do away with all kind of ignorance. We'll do away with illiteracy. We'll do away with all these things. Well, that came came up bankrupt, did it not? We're no longer awed by that kind of thing. And so what happened, of course, is that that was replaced by by something else. You know, like what we call the postmodern era—that that where the modern era was so infatuated with our own kind of ability to think of things that just was put on steroids and it was moved from more of a collective kind of thing. What can we do as society into an individualized thing? I myself as alone and I can fix it for me, and I don't really need to fix it for anyone but me. You hear what I'm saying, right? We need to think differently about ourselves and about the world that we live in. This is just reality. What we need is not an elevation of our own kind of calculations and give them some kind of level that, that seems as if we can think like God that our own thinking has divine power to fix all things what we need to know is what does it look like when the almighty truly breaks through and gives us a whole new perspective a whole new experience of life itself can I tell you a story will you let me Thank you. No, I appreciate that. It, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's a story that deals directly with what I just spoke about. It's about a man. He was a researcher, he was a leader, he was a politician, he was actually in the government of his country. And he was a theologian, he was a teacher of scripture. The man's name was Nicodemus. And he came to Jesus to find out what was going on. He knew that something was missing in his life in spite of all his success, in spite of all the things that he had attained, in spite of all that he knew, there was something more he needed to know about life. And so he comes to Jesus, he meets with Jesus, and when he leaves, he leaves utterly changed. This encounter that changed him completely. He learned now how to reach out for this recreating, this regenerating, this revitalizing uh, power of God that would change everything. So since you gave me permission, let me read the story about him. It's in John chapter 3. The gospel of John chapter 3. It's going to be on your screen as well. There was a man from the Pharisees. His name was Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him uh, at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform these signs, you do, unless God was with him. Jesus replied, truly I tell you that unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. Or born from above is another way of translating that word. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from. Or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So it is. With everyone born of the Spirit. Like anyone else, of course, Nicodemus was concerned about what other people said. What might other people think about me finding life difficult? perplexing, that, that I struggle putting things together. When they look at me, I look, although there's no social media, he looked pretty strong and good, yes? His profile was just right. And so out of concern, he came to Jesus at night, and we're not exactly sure why John is highlighting that. It seems as if the gospel writer John wanted to highlight this. And, and so, what is it? Is it because he's he is somewhat, uh, you know, hiding uh, from the crowd—that that he wants to to not be seen—as uh, I just suggested—that is certainly one possibility. It could be that John highlighted this also because it was a symbolic reality. These were dark, dark days in Nicodemus's life, so it's just fitting that it fit that same situation when he got there. It could be also that this is simply just a way that that he could find time to be alone with jesus that all day long that that there was a crowd and and nicodemus wanted jesus to himself and he really didn't want anyone else to kind of hear the kind of questions that he was going to present to jesus so here we are and uh, he meets with jesus Yes, why would he even look there in the first place? And, and the real probably is that everywhere he turned, people were talking about it. You know, he was seeing people whose lives had become changed and, and different. And so what, what was going on? And, and, you know, smart man as he was, he was not about to just kind of let that that go and, and just say, hey, I'm going to be a spectator to what happens to other people. I need to know for myself. Let me ask you that, and you who are watching also uh, from from some other place, wherever that is on the globe, actually. Um, don't you need to know for yourself? This is a real question. I, I'm not actually asking that as a rhetorical question. You need to answer that for yourself. Not just kind of go with the flow and those that I know and that kind of stuff. But don't you know, and more than that, don't you also need to help your friend, encourage your friend, your neighbor, your workmate, your classmates, people you're around, that they need to know for themselves. So, so let me kind of walk you through this, this text. Just kind of follow along and just see here. And notice what happens at first. Nicodemus, instead of asking a question directly, he kind of wraps it a little bit. He draws some personal conclusions and starts with a statement about who he has determined that Jesus must be. In other words, he spoke from his own presuppositions. And from these pre-formulated kind of, kind of conclusions that he had drawn, there was an, only an implicit question about who Jesus was. Are we getting this? Even before he met Jesus, he had already decided who he was. Again, this is not a rhetorical question, but I ask you, Have you done the same? It's easy. Other people talk about, we hear hear chatter in the street. We see things on the news. Uh, I learn things here and there. And and before we know it, we have to put together our own decision, created presupposition. This must be who he is. Deep down, We do that to all of reality. We have kind of like a gut reaction, most of us. We may not admit it. You may not say, yeah, I know I'm like that. But subconsciously, that is the case. And you'll kind of have to admit, if you're honest with yourself, that we have this way of reacting to things that I know what I think about this. I, I I kind of know what I think about life. And if anything is ever going to change that, it better answer the questions that my presuppositions had determined needed to be answered before I'm open to change anything. Are you hear me? Even when we don't really want to admit that this is so, we say, I'm not like that when we... Search our souls, we often are. But this is the way I want you to look at this text, because that is exactly at the point where life-changing encounters begin. Jesus flat refuses to let himself be measured by all categories, all small little litmus tests, all little measuring sticks, and Nicodemus just said, let's read the text. He puts it straight on. I know who you are. And I, I conclude that from the signs that ye have done. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You have no idea who I am, Nicodemus. Because you can't see anything until you have replaced the very foundation from which you stand. And where you look, you noticing that in the text. If you put it a little bit different, what Jesus is saying is this: that you need to move. You need to have a different foundation from which to stand, a different place from which to look, for you to see anything that is real. I hope when you look at a text like this, that you recognize this is exactly what is happening, right? His, his customary understanding of reality hindered that he could see who Jesus truly was. You cannot see the kingdom of God, Jesus says, until you have been born again or born from above which is another way, that word probably should better be translated that way, but but leave that be right now. You need to find a new way of looking at life. Friends, I hope we're hearing this. This is as real as it gets. Jesus is not particularly interested in fitting in to your or my little personal kind of way of understanding reality. It's not a question of whether he will fit our way. The real question is that if we will accept the challenge and fit our lives into his way, if you have noticed, God did not send Jesus that he would follow us. He sent him that we may follow him. How easy it is to get that confused. I hear all the time when people say, well, if Jesus would just do this for me, or or if he would just change this thing, then then I would change my life for him. Well, look at this story again. Simple as it is and straightforward as it is, it shows us with all clarity that's not how it works. God is, is not concerned with whether you believe he exists or not. Sorry. He wants you to, but he's not falling off his throne if if, you know, you say, I don't believe it. He exists just as well. 600 years. 600 years before Nicodemus spoke to Jesus. Prophets have talked about what would happen right here. And Nicodemus being a theologian and a a teacher of scripture would have to have known that. When Ezekiel says, I will give you a new heart. And I'll put a new spirit in you, God says, right? And I'll remove from your heart of stone, from your heart of stone, and I'll give you a heart. Of flesh, Jeremiah says the exact same thing, rephrasing just with just ever so little change, six hundred years before, and that is exactly what God offers us: a new inner person, a new heart, a new warmth, a new love, a new reality, a new way of thinking about our lives, and new, fresh. Faith. I got to ask you, friends, is that not what you want? It's what I want. And according to Jesus, that is so radical that there's only one way to explain that. And that is to use massive words like born again or born from above. There's no other language that suffices to express the radical nature of that totally transformation and then we see we see Nicodemus' response I mean he's got that's crazy like what That, that can't happen you can't get back into your mother's womb that's just like what Can I ask you to not misunderstand this? Nicodemus was no fool. He was not some kind of ignoramus or whatever the word would be for that. He was this smart, highly intelligent, highly educated person. He was not talking about the possibility of a grown man coming back in to his mother's womb in any kind of physical sense. That was not his point. What made him say what he said was that he was so flabbergasted, so dumbstruck, if you will, that, that, that he couldn't figure out how to react to this radical nature of what Jesus was just saying. It blew everything away that he had ever kind of known. Everything he had concluded beforehand was kind of blown to pieces. Everything that has guided his research, all his studies, all his conclusions about life, all his experiences, suddenly had to be rethought. Up until this point, his only expectation for the new was that he could find some way of restructuring the old that it may feel like it's new. I wonder if that's how you've reacted. Can I find a way of making things that are just like they always were, but make them feel new? Jesus talked about something else. So Nicodemus, highly educated and clear thinking as he was, he was just completely unaware of that kind of a radical nature. He, he knew exactly, astute as he was, that, that a human being could not just forget the past and everything that has shaped him. He knew that he could not just remove all the habits that had so profoundly taken anchor in his soul. He he knew that there was no way that he could, could simply skate over the pain that had left deep scars in his personality. He knew that. And so he misunderstood Jesus. And he thought he meant for him to find a way to start over. Just as if he had come out of his mother's womb. He thought it was up to him to find a way of restructuring his life from his own resources. And he knew that was not likely to happen. And nothing, of course, could be further from what Jesus meant to say. The new birth that Jesus is talking about is not about reaching back into our old selves and find a new kind of beginning, if that's possible. The new life Jesus is talking about is not about restructuring our old experiences into somewhat of a a fresh sequence or whatever. It's about a radical, radical transformation of our inner being. It's a question, really, friends, of new life power and new presence, a new spirit, if you will. Not from our own resources, but from Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. You wonder why the Bible always talk about the importance of the indwelling spirit of God. Not only within us, but among us, that is exactly what's going on right here. What Jesus offers is something that comes from the Creator Himself. Jesus wants to breathe into us new life, a breath. A new life into our lungs. A new spirit of life power into your soul. Oh, I hope you hear this, friends. I really hope we don't just hear this as yet another sermon. Because this is so radical. God offers to let his spirit take residence in our very being. The only language that is big enough for that is language like being born again or being born from above. It will completely, utterly change who we are. And look at verse 5 right here. Jesus says, I tell you, unless a person is born of water and of spirit, no one can experience God's presence unless they are born from above, unless they allow God's spirit. To come in and reinvigorate them and change the way they look at everything, so they sense that that God is touching both heart, soul, and mind. You're sitting someplace else and listening. I hope you're listening as well. And I don't want anyone to be confused about all this talk about spirit. You know, we are kind of corporate kind of beings and, and and most everybody are somewhat engineers in their heart anyway they kind of want to just fix things right that's why all these self help books sell so much and if you're one of those kind of you know stuck in the mud kind of empiricists, sorry for that uh, listen to what Jesus is saying about the wind just just listen here can anyone see the wind No. But we can feel it. Lord knows we can feel it, right? Can anyone grab a hold of the wind? No, but it can grab a hold of us and it can shake us. If it's strong enough, it'll even move us. Without seeing it with our own eyes, we both see and we feel its effect. And that is exactly that is exactly what Jesus says it is with those who were born by the Spirit of God. When he grabs a hold of your life, if he's allowed to send his refreshing wind through your very being, there will be no doubt, friends. You will know it. You will see its effect. Even beyond that, it may even shake you. Indeed, it may even move you. Your heart will be changed. Your thinking will be changed. Your prayers will be changed. Your love will be changed. If that's not what you want, I'm dumbfounded. Nicodemus, scholar, researcher, politician, leader of his nation, theologian, Bible scholar, Bible teacher, he recognized his need to check Jesus out for himself in a very real way not just go with the chatter on the street don't you he started with his own prepositions presuppositions sorry most of us do but he didn't stay there he came so why don't you do the same your life but it's God's wind and he asks you to ask for it Father I ask from the very depth of my being Forgiveness for the times when I just concluded things from presupposition and I've lost out on the power from God's Spirit. I ask that that would be the exact same prayer that arises from every heart here, every heart that listens to this. Move us, Lord. So many things are going on. Rescue us. By placing us. In a position where we can see you truly. Create in our lives. In the lives of First Baptist Church of Louisville. Oh Lord, we need it. We need a fresh touch from Jesus. We need to hear you say, you don't understand anything until and unless you get truly born from above. Father, there are some here, many, who needs to read that text again and hear you speak through it. So burden them with this. They're here that may not have ever read this text and in a way where it became a life-changing encounter. Draw them to you, Jesus. Give them a fresh confession that says Jesus is Lord. And some of us have gotten stuck in the, I'm going to figure things out just for me. And we're stuck with our own resources. Give us the ability to see that you have created your church that we may walk together. Strengthen one another as you join us together as your people. All of this we pray, Lord. In your name, amen.